Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Burgundy map number two. Having spoken very broadly about the entire region of Burgundy and some of the things to expect, we're going to really dive deep into the specific appellations, thinking about wine styles, winemaking techniques, and other considerations, natural and human factors in the vineyard and the winery, to really get an idea of what's important in Burgundy. So let's do this logically. Let's work from north to south, exploring the different appellations. I'm going to start in Chablis. Now, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about labelling here, and it's important to note that Chablis is a village appellation. It's right in the north of Burgundy, and so it has a cool continental climate. With this, frost is a real issue. You get frost as late as May in Chablis. There's lots of use of sprinklers and heaters to protect the Chardonnay grapes here from frost. Obviously, this has a cost attached. The best vineyards, the best sites, are really on steep slopes facing south, not only taking advantage of as much sunshine as possible, because this really is at the limit of where Chardonnay will ripen successfully, but also to think about airflow. If you're planting on mid-slopes, You are allowing for this airflow through the vines, so the cool air descending and the hot air rising, creating this movement of air that stops the risk of frost. So the basic village-level Chablis, so just labelled Chablis, Appellation Controle, are often on the north-facing slides, on the flattest land. You're not really looking for the complexity here. Lots of focus on steel, simple, lemon, lime, and apple. We also find wines labelled as Petit Chablis. These are a particularly austere style with lots of green fruit and high acidity. The Chablis Premier Cru and Grand Cru wines are really going to be on those best sites, so south-facing, mid-slope. Here, you're going to have a slightly longer ripening season, a little bit more sunshine, hopefully less risk of frost. So you're going to get riper, more concentrated wines, fruit flavors, thinking of ripe citrus. So ripe lemon, soft grapefruit sometimes, a little bit more baked apple. 
And sometimes in the very best of the crew sites, you might see enough intensity in order to get a little bit of oak use here. However, the oak is more likely to be old oak and just used to soften that acidity a little bit. Now, from Chablis, you need to travel around 100, 120 kilometers south before you hit this central area of Burgundy that we call the Cote d'Or. This is really the heartland of Burgundy, and we split this Cote d'Or again into two kind of sub-regions, the Cote de Nuit in the north and the Cote de Bone in the south. Now, this central area of Burgundy is more moderate continental, so we're getting a little bit warmer here. There is still, however, some risk of late frost and then some summer hail. Hailstorms are quite common here. Similar to Chablis, the soils on the flatland are much more fertile, slopes much more infertile. There's even less depth of soil. So you're more likely to get more stress in the vine on the slopes and therefore more concentration, intensity, complexity. Another factor in the microclimate here is the protection of the Massif Centrale from the westerly winds, just allowing a little bit more protection, particularly for the Pinot Noir, which is very sensitive to both wind and rain. So you don't really get the rain pushing through in the best sites because it's protected by this mountain range. So our first stop on our tour of the Côte d'Or is the Côte de Nuit, this northerly area which is really centred around the production of Pinot Noir. There is still the regional appellation here of Bourgogne, which you will typically see as Bourgogne Rouge, but there's also a sub-regional appellation of the Haute Côte de Nuit. The named villages are used on the wines, so village-level wines, so taking the name from specific villages, such as Chevry-Chambertin, Louis-Saint-Georges. These are some of the most prestigious, concentrated, age-worthy wines planted on mid-slopes. This lengthens the growing season due to a shift in the day-night temperature. So this allows for the development of more complexity and intensity and also tannic ripeness. Although you do not have a lot of tannin in the skins of Pinot Noir, you do want to gain tannic ripeness in the stems. This is because you might be using stem inclusion in your winemaking in order to increase the tannin of the wine to produce wines that have more age-worthy potential. Now, one of the great things about the WSET Level 3 exam is that you don't actually need to know the names of the Grand Cru's, but it might be helpful to know that there are Grand Cru's here. For example, the Grand Cru of Gevry Chambertin is Chambertin. These are, of course, the most concentrated, most intense wines on the very best sites. Really, winemakers here aiming for intensity and power in the fruit. So ripe cherry, raspberry, very ripe red plum, red cherry, wines that have often more tannic structure due to stem inclusion or long resting on the skins during fermentation, but with high acidity levels because of this being relatively cool climate still. We're still only in this moderate area. As a result, more intensity, complexity, gentle use of oak here for soft addition of spices, and then really age-worthy, developing these intense, wet, leaf, earth, game, mushroom, truffle characters. (laughs) 
Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and Other Stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. Watch out on your exams for questions about differences between style and winemaking techniques in things like the regional level wines, so Bourgogne Rouge, and the village or crew level wines, really wanting you to make a connection between where they are grown and the winemaking techniques used and the style of the wine. So these fresh, fruity, easy to drink, drink younger wines from the regional Appalachian in comparison to these age-worthy, very intense, complex wines from the village or crews. With this, you'll also be expected to comment on where the grapes are grown and the impact that that's having. Let's head a little bit further south into the Côte de Bonne. So this area really focused on Chardonnay. Don't be fooled, however, there are a couple of appellations here that are famous for Pinot Noir, the two villages of Pomar and Volnay. Because it is warmer down here, these often produce incredibly complex, intense, darkly coloured wines with great potential for ageing. Really, my focus here is going to be on the Chardonnay wines that are produced. As it's much warmer down here than it is in the north, in Chablis, the wines are much riper in their flavour profile. Here, Chardonnay can ripen to such an extent that it begins to gain stone fruit characters, in particular white and yellow peach, white melon, very ripe apple, Citrus as well tends to be on the sweeter end of the spectrum. You're thinking about grapefruit and lime rather than the lemon that you would find in Chablis. Because of the additional sunshine, the additional ripening, and this powerful fruit profile of Chardonnay, you quite often find enough fruit intensity to be balanced with specific winemaking techniques. So in your key villages, so Merceau, Pellini Montrachet, Chassagne Montrachet, you will find often use of malolactic conversion. So converting this harsh or malic acid, this apple acid, into lactic acid, this soft, milky, creamy character, adding exactly those aromas and flavors to the wine, this creamy note, yogurt or butter. You might also see use of lees, either resting on the lees for the gentle inclusion of biscuity or dough characters, or as you get further south, Really thinking in Pellini Montrachet, Chassagne Montrachet, about batonnage, so stirring of the lees into the wine to produce very intense, doughy, biscuity aromas. Finally, there is a lot of both oak fermentation and barrel aging here. Both old and new oak are used. If it's new oak, often seeing addition of cinnamon, clove, nutmeg, a smoky character to the white wines. Things like malolactic conversion, lees, also add body and texture to the wines. And here we see Chardonnay wines really suitable for aging, gaining honey, smoke, toast, and hazelnut. What examiners are really looking for here is that you've been able to make the connection with this warmer area with more sun exposure, in te- fruit intensity, and the winemaking techniques that are connected to that. Let's head even further south into the Côte Chalonnais. 
This is an interesting area as we have a little bit more high altitude, so a later harvest, but less reliable ripening. They tend to be lighter bodied and less prestigious wines than those you see in the Cote d'Or, but still with some key villages such as Rui, Mercury, Givry, and Montagnier. Now, many of these areas produce red and white wines, but do be aware that Montagnier is a white wine only. It's only using Chardonnay. Finally, right at the bottom of this Burgundy area, we have the Maconnais. Now, this is an area with no Premier or Grand Cru's, but it does have its own regional level appellation of Macon. So you quite often see the term Macon on the label or Macon Village or Macon plus the village name. The regional wines tend to be easy drinking, affordable for Burgundy, with apple and citrus, more medium acidity in body, quite often a lot of malolactic conversion used here to give very creamy, full-bodied wines. Those with the Macon Village or Macon plus the village name just tend to be riper and fuller. However, do not dismiss the Maconnais as it is an area that has little pockets of greatness, in particular uh, right in the south, this area of Puy Fuisse. This is an area for Chardonnay wines that are really quite tropical in flavor. It's so much warmer here. Mango, yellow peach, yellow melon, also banana here. Lots of concentration, long barrel aging, barrel fermentation for the most powerful expressions in the Maconnais. It's really a little sun trap on limestone slopes. And because of these slopes, this diurnal range comes into play again, the shift between day and night temperature, which also aids acidity. So they are full-bodied, ripe, characterful wines, but with good levels of acidity. That's it for our tour of Burgundy. Next up, we'll be looking at Beaujolais. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.